Hello, and thank you for joining us today. My name is Bob Sawin, and I am a member of the Child Health Advisory Council that works with Career Physician. And we're having a pediatric insight conversation today brought to you by Career Physician. Joining me today are our colleagues, leaders in, in pediatric medicine. We have with us uh, Bruder Stapleton, former chair of pediatrics at the University of Washington, who chairs our council. Valerie Opapari, who's the former chair of pediatrics at the University of Michigan. We have Chris Gleason, who's a former chief of neonatology at the University of Washington and Seattle Children's. Arnie Strauss, who's the former chair at the, the University of Cincinnati and Cincinnati Children's Hospital. And Craig Hillemeyer, who's a former department chair and dean at the Penn State Medical Center in Hershey, Pennsylvania. So welcome to all my colleagues. And today we want to talk about something that comes up a lot in our prior conversations, and that is what's the best way to support new leaders who are in their leadership role, possibly for the first time in a significant leadership role? Uh, what are the uh, needs and the opportunities to support these people to make sure they're successful in their new role? And and wondered if we could start the conversation with with Dr. Opapari talking about you know what what do you, what's your sense of sort of the current landscape in in academic pediatrics you know what are the what are the challenges in in bringing new leaders into leadership roles? Well, thanks, Bob. Thanks for that difficult question too. You know, when I reflect on my time in academic leadership positions as I moved up, you know over the many decades now, I think things have really, really, really changed. The complexity of organizations, the massive changes in funds flow, the changes in the regulatory environment, the pace of discovery, uh, the pace of change in medicine, things are happening at such a pace that is so much different from the pace of change that we saw three and four decades ago. And as a result of that, you know, I think that I'll use the word arrogance. I think the arrogance of how we approached leadership in the past was kind of the, you know, the saying that you have in surgery, you know, uh, see one, do one, teach one, yeah. you know, that arrogance doesn't work anymore. And when you bring a new leader into, you know, virtually any position, leading a research team, leading a division, leading a department, holding a major role as an administrator within a health system at the same time you have a role within a, you know, a discipline that you practice. There are so many nuances to these roles and responsibilities that it's hard to believe anybody can just walk into that and think that they have all the skill sets at their ready in order to be highly successful. And so what, what I observe, and, and I say this also from the standpoint of doing reviews for institutions over the last three decades, just the sheer amount of significant risk come with virtually any new leadership position, you have a moral obligation to make sure that individual has surrounded around them, you know, the mentorship, the coaching, the expertise that they may lack in their experience, but they're going to need to be successful. So, you know, my view of this has really evolved and, and I don't think any of us could do these jobs without really a cadre of support around us in this day and age. So 
Thank you. Those are compelling comments. And, and given that, I assume that most of the people who are emerging into a new leadership role need some level of support. And it seems as though that realization is, is more commonly held now by, by institutions and by the individuals. Thoughts, Arnie, on, on whether the the guidance, the mentorship, the coaching, whatever whatever degree of support you're going to provide these new leaders. Talk about how important it is that the uh, advisor have specialty specific knowledge. You know, so for example, Valerie mentioned the financial challenges or the regulatory challenges. You know, can does an individual need multiple advisors and supporters? What are what are your thoughts about the types of of support these people need? Thank you, Bob. I think uh, one of the key issues is upfront for the leader themselves and the institution and then the potential advisors to assess what the strengths uh, and weaknesses of that leader actually are. So is the person well experienced in, for example, clinical research, uh, but not in other areas of research or pretty well versed in financial matters and not in research? And I think that is the way to help identify what the needs for support actually are. So an early on assessment, I think, is critical and a self-assessment. I mean, I knew that I didn't know very much about financial matters when I became a chair, and that had to be rectified and is especially critical now, 10 years later. So I think an assessment is critical. Having said that, and I agree with Valerie, it's difficult for one person to have all of the experience and skills needed to be successful. It is really crucial to uh, have a support team of people, but recognize that the leader is the leader and the team are support. So that it's very important to assess the team, for the leader to assess the team and to search for the right people. And if the right people are not in place to change them. And advisors can help with that because of their experience at other institutions, knowing which, which uh, members of the team are actually being supportive and which may not be. So early assessment, I think, is critical. And then uh, moving on when necessary to a different team member. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you, thank you, Arnie. I'm, I'm glad you brought up this issue of uh, team function too and and wondered if people had thoughts about, you know, you may surround yourself with a team of people who have content expertise, but who don't work well as a team and just wondered, you know, what thoughts people had about the role of coaching or mentorship in, in team development. Ritter, I know you've had a lot of experience in, in putting together multidisciplinary teams or teams that are perhaps challenged in their their dysfunction. Any thoughts about the best way to address that? Well, I, I do think that having someone who is familiar with the with the institution or department and then who can help the individual can respond to to the new leaders concern, you know, questions is is very is very helpful. Often, oftentimes, only knowing only knowing the position and not the the environment makes it challenging to to help advise someone. But I think you know having a having someone who's gone through a leadership experience that's formed teams 
and understanding the importance of one, as Arnie said, really assessing the people and their talents and trying to get them into the right position so that they can utilize their, their talents for uh, the mission of the institution and the department, you know, is, is really important. And foremost in that is having the, the leader, helping the leader articulate what the vision and the values and the purposes of developing the team are, and then assessing if people will align to that vision and getting the people, the right people who are willing to advance that vision on, on the team and take advantage of their skills. They may not all agree, but if they have a skill and they can help, they can agree on the goal. That seems to me and seemed to me to be one of the most uh, important things of, of building the team. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Craig. Yeah, I, I love this conversation because it brings out some really interesting points. I think one of the one of the failures that I've seen of teams is that oftentimes the new leader who's put who's bringing this team together doesn't doesn't appreciate the value of diversity in that team. And, and I don't mean just diversity in terms of uh, gender, ethnicity, whatever. I, I also mean diversity in terms of how they're going to be approaching the problems. I mean, if they're strong in the area of laboratory research, they need to have someone who's strong in clinical research and someone who's strong in clinical outreach. I mean, to have a team that really encompasses all of those different areas. And then the second most common reason I think I've seen teams fail is because the leader doesn't listen to the teams. They have to learn that it's not just hearing the words they say, it's really listening to what they're saying and incorporating those views into how they feel and how they want to go forward. And that's so important and oftentimes not intuitive when these when new leaders take their positions. Yeah, thank you. And I would, you know, I would add to that that along with diversity of background and experience, there's diversity of style and understanding individual styles within the function of the team is is an important concept. And as as you know, there are lots of tools to look at that. There's authors who have written considerable amount of material about team function. And, and I think sometimes as a outside advisor or coach, we can help the leader understand the different styles and how to optimize the interaction between uh, team members, irrespective of their, of their expertise. Uh, Wesley, you look like you had a comment. Yeah. Thank you, Bob. From a, from a firm perspective, I mean, what we see nationally is institutions are, are pressing more and more young leaders into roles that they may not be ready for because of the supply issues we're dealing with in academic pediatrics. And so it's really unfair and unfortunate, right? If you're, if you're being tempted as a leader to hire new chiefs or to hire new leaders who aren't fully formed, but you also don't have the resources to support them. I mean, that's a dangerous proposition for a lot of different reasons. But so I, I think, I think, you know, the resource that, that the council has created is in response to that, right? So that, I mean, we, we actually have, we actually have a client that's considering even an assistant professor for a chief job, right? So if you think about what would it take for an assistant professor, as we think about an assistant professor to be a successful chief, what would you have to do to give them any chance of success? And so love all the comments and agree with Craig on the, on the conversation. Is it, when you talk about the pipeline, is it your perception that because of the complexities of leadership that Valerie outlined at the beginning of our discussion, that that young academic physicians are deterred or discouraged by 
the challenges and, and don't aspire to that? Or what, what do you think is going on with this, this perception that there's a less, less limited or a more limited pool? I, I, I mean, Valerie sent me an article uh, today just on the, the increased rate of women leaving academic medicine and it being higher than men, but both are leaving right? And increase rates. And I think it's, it's much like when somebody's in their residency, right? If they run into a grumpy subspecialist, they, they may not want to be that subspecialty, right? And I think, I think young leaders are running into really frustrated people right now because of COVID and burnout and all these things. And so it's being a clinical division or department leader is not as attractive as it used to be in a lot of cases. And so that has an impact on it. But I think it's also an institutional failure, right, to have really proactive leadership development and succession planning, you know, all the things that we talk about, that get people ready for those roles versus somebody being thrown into a role unexpectedly. And so it it's a lot of those things, Bob, but Valerie. Yeah, I, I was going to bring up that article. Thanks for mentioning it, Wesley. You know, I think that we cannot underestimate the level of stress that exists in medicine, period, but in academic medicine in spades. And the young people coming up can see the stress. COVID brought out a lot of it. And obviously, you know, we're all still trying to recover from the effects of COVID, both, you know, psychologically, clinically, but also financially, most institutions are still in, in really significant, difficult positions. But the young people coming up, you know, not all of them would choose to have that kind of stress be part of their existence. And so I think that, you know, it kind of gets back to the earlier comments that several of you've made around having a strong team and having a strong advisors and mentors and coaches around you, the more that you can provide an environment to your new leader that's nurturing to them, that helps to reduce some of the unnecessary stress, then the better it is because you certainly don't want to see anyone fail. But every time there is a failure, it sends a message to all the young people that are coming up from you know behind saying, well, wait a minute, if so-and-so couldn't make it, how could I ever make it in that kind of role and responsibility? And so, you know, we've got to be cognizant of the fact that the pipeline is under severe stress. I mean, we've all seen this in the reviews that we do for institutions when we're trying to solicit names to help institutions to get a nice cadre of individuals to consider for a position. You know, it's a lot of work trying to encourage individuals to put their names forward. And that's a message. And so I just think that, you know, anything that any of us can do and institutions can do to not just identify talent, but to start early nurturing them and helping them to understand, you know, the gaps in, in their experience that might make it difficult for them. But then also, as several of you have said, you know, bringing in the advisors and the people around them that are not necessarily going to tell them everything to do, but certainly provide that that branch of support as they take on these these roles and responsibilities. And if we don't get forward better doing this, we are really going to suffer even worse than we are right now trying to find talent to fill these positions. So it's incumbent upon all of us to take advantage of the resources, provide the resources and provide the kind of expertise that I think we're discussing today 
you know, to really make sure academic medicine doesn't fall behind in, in, in advancing care, you know, research and the training of the next generation. By the way, that's really compelling. I, and thank you for bringing that up. You know, I would just add from a personal perspective that I think it's so, it's such a paradox that in fact, from my perspective, one of the cures, if you will, or one of the, the interventions to minimize burnout is to give people a role in leadership and to give them a sense of agency and importance. But I think you've pointed out really well, to do that without support is putting them in a vulnerable position. So I, I agree with you totally that unless we nail this uh, as a field, we're going to uh, have potential challenges. You know, this is a, a, a robust discussion and one that I think we probably should uh, continue, continue in, in an, another opportunity, maybe talk a little more in the next session about what some of our experience has been in interventions and what kind of successes we've had. But I think what we've talked about today is we all agree that it's very important for the future of academic medicine to identify emerging leaders and support them in their new leadership roles, realizing how complex and challenging it is. And that one way to do that is through external advisors, mentors, coaches, to help leaders put together a highly functioning team that can be supportive and, and successful. I think as, as has been discussed, one of the worst tragedies in addition to the burnout and, and so forth is that the costs associated with bringing someone into a new role and having them fail is profound for that individual and for that department or that institution. So this is obviously a really important topic and we're going to follow up in a subsequent conversation. So I appreciate everyone's input today. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm.